This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. May I encourage you to continue to watch for the next little while as we discuss this topic, When God Gives Up. Is there a time when God gives up on man? Let's study that together today. Now, on our telecast, we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course, and many of you have already received your course. If you've not yet studied the course, may I encourage you this week to finish that course, mail it back into us for grading. In order that those of you not familiar with the Bible course can know more about it, know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. I have a reading I want to call to your attention from the first chapter of Romans. I will begin reading in verse 14. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all God godliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. But since the creation of the world, His in invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Therefore... God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies 
among themselves. Edward Gibbon wrote about the rise, decline, and the eventual fall of the Roman Empire. He, he gave five contributing factors in the downfall of Rome. One was the rapid increase of divorce, the undermining of the dignity and the sanctity of the home, which is the basis of human society. Another factor he gave was higher and higher taxes and the spending of public money for free bread and circuses for the populace. Yet another reason he gave for the downfall of Rome was the building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy was within the decadence of the people. A fourth reason he gave for contributing factor in Rome's downfall was the mad craze for pleasure. Sports becoming every year more exciting and more brutal. And yet another reason was the decay of religion. Faith fading into mere form, losing touch with life, and becoming impotent to warn and to guide the people. When I read those five things that Gibbon gave as factors involved in the downfall of the Roman Empire, I think about our own nation. Rome forgot about God. They forgot God. In verse 18 of Romans 1, Paul said, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You see, God took note of what was going on in Rome. But there was absolutely no excuse for Rome forgetting about God. Verse 19 says, Because that which may be known of God has been manifest unto them, for he hath shown it unto them. They had been shown about God. They knew about God. Verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they're without excuse. There was absolutely no excuse for Rome forgetting about God. But that's exactly what happened. And there is no excuse for people in America or people in any other nation throughout the world forgetting about God. When I think about what happened to Rome, it's almost like looking into a mirror. Many years ago, there was an article that appeared in the Nashville, Tennessean. And I kept that article. It told about a visitor from Nashville who went to the Mideast. 
And while he was in the Mideast, he went out to Lebanon. And he saw the ruins uh, that some were uh, working with. They were excavating in some ruins there. And they explained to this visitor how they had already uh, been able to dig through about several layers of civilization. There was one civilization that was destroyed, another built on top of it, another on top of that one. And he asked the question, how could they let this happen? How could they leave all this devastation behind? And the person that was excavating stopped and looked at this man from Tennessee, and he said, you Americans will find out. I can already see the signs at work in America. He said these civilizations went the way of luxury and ease, intemperance, indifference, and immorality. And those things are at work in your country today. He said, but you need to remember, these people travel by jet, by, by horseback. You travel by jet airplane. It's going to happen to you much quicker. What was it that caused Rome to fall? They forgot about God. And there were three steps that led Rome in a downward spiral, the downward path. First of all, they demoted God. They took God off of his throne and their attitude was that we don't need God anymore. Verse 18 says that they held the truth. They stifled the truth. They smothered the truth of God. So they said that we don't need God anymore. But they had that knowledge. But they rejected the knowledge they had. From the time of Adam in the Garden of Eden, through one of his sons, his son Seth, men had knowledge of God all the way down to the days of Noah. Men had knowledge of God. From the time of Noah, through his son Shem, all the way down to the time of Abraham, men had knowledge of God. Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac. Isaac had knowledge of God. Isaac had two sons named Jacob and Esau. And Esau had knowledge of God. Jacob had knowledge of God. It was through Jacob that his descendants carried the knowledge of God into the land of Egypt. It was through the descendants of Jacob or the Israelites they carried the knowledge of God into the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. You see, the knowledge of God has been passed on from one generation to another. There's really no excuse for people saying there's no God or we don't need God anymore. Why, well, you can look at the creation that God made and know that God exists. He not only has revealed himself in the Bible, he's revealed himself in, 
in nature. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. But they said, we don't need him anymore. Is this where we are in America today? There are those who are saying we don't need God anymore. We want the name of God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. We want the name of God off of our paper money and off of the coins that we carry in our pockets and in our purses. We do not want the name of, the God, uh, the name of God in the courthouse. We do not want the name of God in uh, any public place today. And they want the Bible, which is the Word of God, removed from society. Is that where we are today? That men have taken God off of His throne and they have demoted God. That's exactly what happened to Rome. That was step number one in their way to ruin. Now step number two was when they promoted themselves and they put themselves on the throne in the place of God. In verse 22 of Romans 1, Paul said, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They're foolish people. You see, they thought they were wiser than God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 is a reminder that we are not. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts and your thoughts and my ways and your ways. Man is not wiser than God, but that's what happened in Rome. They thought they were wiser than God. And they demoted God. They put self on the throne. Men have always been prone to do that. It is said in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It may be right in the eyes of man, but it's not right in the eyes of God. There's a lot of talk today about values and what our values are. And the values that people have are determined from one of two sources. Some people determine what's important in their life and what they can deem to be valuable within their own mind, within their own heart. The unbelievers of the world determine their values, the things they deem to be important from within themselves. I remember teaching a class a number of years ago and I was teaching on secular humanism. There was a lady who visited the class one night sitting right on the very front seat and I was quoting from a secular humanist who made this statement. This is a quote. There is no one up there telling me what is right or what is wrong. In other words, no one telling me what to do or not to do. And the woman who had invited this lady said she became so angry with me. And I learned later that she had said those exact words to her husband, that no one was going to tell her what to do and what not to do. You see, when you believe that you are in control, 
that you are the center of the universe, that's going to be your attitude. You, you, you determine your values from within yourself. Believers don't determine their values that way. Those who believe in God determine their values from His Word. In Matthew 4 and 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you see, those who believe have values that are determined by God in His Word. And there are certain things that I don't have to worry about and concern myself about. For example, I don't have to worry, I don't have to concern myself on Sunday morning whether I should go to worship or not. Well, God's already determined that value for me. If I believe Him, and, and I must worship Him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. You see, God determines values for those that are believers. Rome got to the point, they said we don't need God anymore, and they said we are smarter than God, we are wiser than God, so we don't need Him anymore. We don't need to listen to Him anymore. And what was happening is they were running from God. There are men and women today in America who are running from God. They said, we don't need him anymore. But then this is the third step in the downfall of Rome. Rather, the second step, they created their own God. After they created their own God, which was Seth, they went to the third step and they changed or perverted God's truth. Well, you say, well, now, how, how do you know they did that? Well, because in verse 23, he, it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man. What did they do? They made some changes. They made some changes. Well, what were some of those changes? Verse 24 says, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. There were three things in which they changed. First of all, they per became perverted in a sexual way. He says they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. Listen to that. God gave them up. Well, what did He give them up to? To vile passions. To vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what is, for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts for one another, men with men committing what is, un is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. In other words, they were due to be penalized because what they were doing. And even they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things 
which are not fitting. So they became sexually perverted. Secondly, they became socially perverted. Look, look in verse 29. They were filled with all unrighteousness, with sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, and on and on he goes. The truth is they were just a bunch of social misfits. But then they became spiritually perverted. Verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, they knew better. Think about what they have done. They've taken God off of the throne, put self on the throne. They have changed the truth of God into a lie. And they know better. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I don't believe in all of the Bible that there is a darker picture of sin drawn than what we have in the first chapter of Romans. Rome forgot God. But Rome was in need of Jesus and his gospel. That's the reason in the first part of this chapter that Paul said, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise or the unwise. And in verse 15, he said, so as much as in me is, I'm, I'm ready to preach the gospel, the good news to you that are at Rome also. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But for it is the power of God and the salvation, that which would save Rome was the message about Jesus. That which would save Rome was the gospel. And that which will save America, that which will save men and women throughout the world is the same message that would have saved Rome. There were those in Rome that had become Christians and they knew what Paul was writing about when he said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You know, in the final analysis of things, when life is over, all that will really matter is not how much money you had, not how you exercised your rights as a citizen. It's not going to matter where you worked or what kind of an automobile you may have owned. It's not going to matter what kind of a telephone you had. It's not going to matter how much you had in your savings account. The only thing that will matter is what did you do about your soul? What did you do with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Paul was writing to the Thessalonians in the second letter and in the first chapter, verse 7, beginning, he writes, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, 
when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. Friends, the only thing that's going to matter one of these days did you obey the gospel? Somebody says, Brother Lambert, I don't know what you're talking about, obeying the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, I declare to you the gospel, which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which you're saved, saved by the gospel. That's what Paul wrote about in Romans 1, isn't it? But what did he preach when he preached the gospel? Verse 3, Christ died for our sins. Verse 4, he was buried and he arose again the third day. Paul preached about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But those are just facts. And we are saved by that gospel when we obey a likeness of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. If you will, take your Bible now and turn to the sixth chapter of Romans. And in verse 1 beginning, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Jesus died on the cross. We died of sin. Jesus was buried in the tomb. We are buried in the waters of baptism. And Jesus was raised from the dead by God's power. And we arise from that watery grave, from the waters of baptism, to walk in the newness of life. Thus obeying a likeness of the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the answer in Rome. That's the answer today. Would you obey Jesus? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I want to thank you for watching today. And may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also now, will you pick up the telephone and call the number that you've been seeing on the screen and request the free Bible correspondence course. This could be the single most important thing that you've ever done for yourself. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.